Welcome to this week's Silk Grassroots Podcast. Big interview. Hashtag stay strong. Brought to you by the Down to Play app. Sadly, Nick Pitt wasn't able to attend the recording tonight. Um, here's his thoughts on the event and both of the charities. Hello, my name is Nick Pitt, founder of uh, Mike Strong Memorial Foundation. Uh, we've recently actually changed our, our name to hashtag stay strong. This was a hashtag uh, that we used anyway, uh, A, to coincide with Mike's surname, which is strong, and B, you know, it sends quite a clear, strong message um, uh, you know what we're trying to say to, to, to individuals that could be potentially struggling out there it is stay strong um, ultimately you know what we're here to talk about uh, today is Tommy Crush uh, Mike Strong two charities for very similar causes uh, meeting for uh, this, the same sort of thing and you know first of all can I say um, welcome to the, the, the Tommy Crush Foundation um, is it's great to be. Uh, I'd like to say in partnership with for this game for Erith and Belvedere and the Self Eleven. It's great to get two two charities together that have such a similar similar meaning. And, and as I said, we, we are now hashtag Stay Strong. And the, the the reason that we did this was because we wanted to we wanted to we want to let people know that you know obviously Mike Strong is is the drive behind what we do and is the reason why we started what we started um, but we also wanted to let other people know that, that we're there for we're there for them we're not just there for <clears throat> that one that one reason you know it's made me and and andrew i know it's made us think about how we approach uh certain events that we want to run and and we want to help everyone and and that is the crux of it really and i know we can't do that but we will strive to do what we can and and the this has made us look look at other charities in different ways as well uh tommy crush like i said being a similar um sort of respective charity and like i said it's made us look at things completely differently and it, it's opened our eyes and and you know we want to be there as a a general charity and a general support for people that you know that need help in um, it, with mental health because mental health is 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 so current is so so important in today's community in today's society you know we just seem to be coming out of um, a global pandemic and people w- will have struggled and it's it's a way to show people that we're there uh, and if anybody needs us, they know where to find us. So, good luck to both teams come come Tuesday. And um, again, two brilliant charities coming together for a brilliant cause. So today, I am joined by Lisa and Dan from the Tommy Crush Foundation. Uh, Lisa uh, was Tommy's mum or is Tommy's mum and is a founder of the charity and Dan is a trustee this is a very special big interview um, leading up to a massive charity event happening on Tuesday the 18th of May at 
um, Erif and Belvedere, uh, Selk 11 taking on an Erif and Belvedere coaches team. Good afternoon, or good evening even, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, thanks. thanks for having us along. Thanks for coming. We finally got here. Um, so, uh, just some introductions. Uh, Lisa, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself and, and um, what's, what's sort of happened up to, up to date to, with the Tommy Crush Foundation? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so thank you again for, for having us. Um, so Tommy, um, my son, uh, was 17 um, when he took his own life through depression um, and it was a huge shock for us all. He'd only been diagnosed with depression about a year before and was under CAMS for a year. Um, and it was just a massive, massive shock to the community, to us, his family, his best friends. Um, and the whole point really about the charity, which we'll, we'll come on to a bit, is you know, we just felt that it it couldn't go unnoticed um, for Tommy and for all the other teenagers that that don't show any signs of depression mm. um, and, and and find themselves struggling with with depression, which is absolutely enormous. So, um, you know, sadly we lost him uh, to suicide. He was just seventeen. It was in May, twenty first of May, uh, two thousand and eighteen. Uh, and so we we've just wanted to to A, keep his legacy going, but to really just try and reach out to as many teenagers as we could um, to, to help them understand that actually what they're going through might be quite normal and there's people out there that, that can help them um, and they shouldn't be suffering in silence. So as much as we wanted to raise money for the charity, it was it was as much about awareness, so how we could reach out to, to more teenagers in Tommy's situation. Uh, and for anyone that knew Tommy, um, I think they'll all agree that he was, you know, well, I'm biased, obviously I'm going to say he's handsome, but he was always smart, he was always happy, he was a joker of the crowd, he was who um, people would go to if they felt a bit down in the dumps, you know, that's why there was so much shock. Girls all liked him, I have to say. Uh, he, was, he was just a popular, normal, really, really normal. I can't I can't state that enough. He was just your average teenager. Yeah. Um, never showed any, any signs. And, and that's why we, we really wanted to set the charity up. How did uh, you become involved, Dan? So Tommy was Tommy was the referee for my junior team at the time, um, and he also used to coach my youngest at Concept on, on on a weekly basis. So I'd see Tommy probably twice a week. Okay, and I think that's probably why I took it as hard as I did because I'd have a chat with him weekly basis and didn't have a clue what was going on. Really didn't have a clue, um, and I think I, I, it took me months. Not to get over it, because I don't know if you ever get over it, but just to sort of understand that someone can be going through that and you've just got no idea whatsoever. Um, so yeah, so I knew Tommy well. Didn't even know that me and Lisa worked in the same building uh, before that. So we, we obviously had a relationship, a working relationship. Um, and then we toyed with the idea of setting up the charity. And, and before we knew it, we had five trustees and we had a, a, a really good opening night um, at STC. Um, and the support and the link with football has just been phenomenal, really. Um, I think the support we've had, particularly at the time, we was, we was linked to Elton Lions, and it was fantastic. Really, really, really positive. Brilliant. So the charities uh, themselves, the charity itself, um, do you just want to talk us through a bit of the work uh, that you do or that you or you plan to do uh, in, the, in the past and the, and the near future? How, how do you see the, the Tommy Cross Foundation helping teenagers going forward? So originally, the thought was I'd try and get into education because it was how do you get to that many children in the quickest amount of time 
and for them to show for them to know that there's a support network out there that hasn't got to be a teacher it hasn't got to be a parent they, they, there's some of a network or some of a place they can go to um and but there was so much focus on the from the government at that time we knew that they was trying to focus and, and bring more mental health awareness into schools um so we we was we toyed with the idea of that for a long time and, it, and we didn't we didn't rush to you know we, we wanted to raise awareness and raise money so but we, the idea wasn't there initially we knew what we wanted to do we wanted to tackle teenagers we wanted to get to teenagers between sort of you know or, or young children between the ages of sort of 11 and 18 mm-hmm. um, and it, it took a while for, for it actually to take off but I think that was the best thing because it's, it's helped us to really understand what we want to achieve mm-hmm. um, and and, um, and and where we want to, to spend the money that's raised is is I mean obviously you've been um, affected by teenage depression and sadly suicide what are the stats what is is it a is it a bigger deal than than people realize is there is there more going on countrywide perhaps or I know you're probably focused more in the southeast at the moment but is that is it a big I think it's it's the second biggest killer to men and boys um it's 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 the the stats are phenomenal that so matches like men we know men under age of 45 suicide is the biggest killer yeah that that mirrors for teenage teenage boys as, as well yeah the, 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 yeah and it, and suicide actually um is more common in boys than it is girls which is why we we sort of wanted to you know where we're going now with the charity and which Dan will talk about in a bit but you know we don't want to forget that there's there's a whole demographic of children that are, that are struggling, but mm. it, it tends to be you know the the men and the young boys, teenage boys, that will actually take go through and, and take their own life and won't talk about it in the build up to it, mm. and they, and there's a lot of stigma to break down around that I think, um, and that's why what we're doing with, with the Kent Football Association Kent FA um, is just you know is exactly what we wanted to, to, to who we want to target. And the connection with football, as I say, I'll, I'll let Dan come on to that in a in a bit. But yeah, we, with boys, it's it's that there's the whole stigma attached, and yeah, sadly, is uh, when when we when Tommy was in um, in the funeral home, there were four teenagers, three boys, one girl, and three boys had all taken their own lives, and, and actually the girl had as well, but in a, just in a different way, and hers was hers was. Um, they shouldn't have told us all of this, but they, there was a bit of a story there, and there was there, she'd struggled for a long time, and you know it, it was still a shock, but it, it kind of it was very different. The three boys were all of the same age, all local, and had all killed themselves through yeah. through suicide. God, I mean, our our charity uh, hashtag Stay Strong. Mike was a thirty-something-year-old man who um, took his own life as well, and um, it's just such a, <clears throat> a terrible terrible thing I mean Nick started the charity because he was Mike's friend um, you just hear more and more now you yeah. see in the papers there's professional footballers or mm. footballers doing it now mm. you think these people are in the prime of their life you think um, Tommy was a, a young as you say popular good looking boy and, and uh, nearly a man and you don't don't fully understand uh, yeah. It's, it's, it really does knock you for six. Um, what is the biggest achievement? What what is there? What was the first sort of box ticked as a charity when you you wrote your bucket list or when you wrote your business plans or when you had ideas in your head uh, for the charity? What was the first sort of moment where you think 
bloody hell, this this is this is doing something. We we're doing something now. I think when we had, we had an event and we we just said let's do a little fundraising, try and raise the profile, and it just blew up, didn't it? We had so many donations and sort of gifts, um, auction items. We announced that we was doing we were running London Marathon in Tommy's name. We done the Royal Parks Marathon, and we it, it just snowballed. It was and. It, I think it was both. It was everyone's relationship with Tommy, and it was they could see what we were trying to achieve. I think we were we were really sort of up in the profile of the awareness of sort of mental health, suicide prevention, and I think people just jumped on it. Everyone sort of had that emotional attachment. Um, yeah, and it just snowballed. We had corporates making donations, um, businesses um, sort of hosting golf events, golf days, and just donating sort of prize funds to us. So on the financial side it went really well really quickly yeah. and like Lisa said we didn't quite know what we wanted to do with it we toyed with the idea of trying to get someone into this education and I, I think there was so many barriers do you that, mean like going and talking in schools and, and, and that type of thing or? well we, we, we toyed with the idea of actually having someone trained professionally trained in a school and mm. the children knew that they could have a go-to person okay. so that, that's what we, that we we thought of that idea um, and at the same time I think the government were doing something similar and we just said look we're a small charity I don't think this is where, where can we go and I think we sort of stalled for quite a while Yeah. Um, and then sort of Covid hit as well so we had that sort of period of, of silence for, a, a, for about 12 months where we were still getting bits and pieces in terms of fundraising but we couldn't actually go out and do, do something and, and, and have a presence um, mm. We had support from the local mayor. Me and you attended an event yep. in Bexley Heath. Yeah, um, that's my back publicly. I yeah, think. Fan- fantastic. So we had a really good presence um, around the, the local area. Um, and then, like you touched on earlier about an achievement, I think it was just that relationship now with the Kent FA. It was the right time at the right in the right place as well. A really forward-thinking FA. I'm lucky. I mean, I'm a ref, so some people might say, you're not lucky, you're a ref. <laughs> um, but I'm a Kent FA referee and I can see how forward-thinking they are um, compared to maybe other county FAs. No sort of names mentioned there, but um, the Kent FA seem to me fantastic and they always seem to be innovative or looking to, to be innovative and, and bring in new sort of ideas. And, and I'm guessing you're, you're, you, you'd agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, Absolutely. So, so I they they advertised their mental health champions program, um, and you had to write a piece, personal piece, why you wanted to be selected to go on the program. So, obviously, my affiliation with a trustee as a trustee and um, my relationship with Tommy, um, it was a no-brainer for me to do. Um, and then I got was quickly selected, went through the training. So you do a training course with Mental Health First Aid England. And then you get trained with Coof as well, who, who provide a fantastic platform for online help. It's, I think it's the biggest in the UK. And they're, they're unbelievable what they do. Um, and yeah, I could see what the program offered. And then I went back to the trustees and spoke to them. And I knew that the Kent FA didn't have the funds to sort of keep this going all the time. Um, and we had a chat as, as a foundation and just said, look, do you think this is something we can support? Um, I got in touch with Luke Baker, one of the youth development officers mm-hmm. at Kent FA, had a chat with Luke, introduced him to Lisa, um, and before we knew it, it was a sort of perfect fit partnership, um, and it's again, it's just it's just rolled on from there, really. We're now funding future programs with them. I think we've agreed to a two-year program. Okay. 
um, with the with the opportunity to sort of take that forward as well. Um, Kent, as you, like you said before, the Kent FA are sort of the pioneers across the country doing this. Brilliant. The rest of the FA are looking at it and just seeing is it, if it's something that works. Um, the, the stats match up straight away, as I say, for the first quarter, um, there's 50 of us trained covering 1,500 teams. Um, we've made 272 referrals to professional help, which in three months is a lot. Is unbelievable. Bearing in mind, we're advertising our services ourselves as well. It's not something that people know to go to. Okay. So they all come from within those clubs. Um, yeah, it's just it's a, it's a great fit for us. Um, and as I say, the Kent FA are sort of piloting other schemes with referees um, and with uh, younger younger kids as well now from I think 16 to 24. I think they're doing the next one. Um, and it, we're supporting it. And it is fantastic. It's sort of a, a, just a great fit for us. That yeah. link with football is what we've been looking for. I think just on that as well, Dan, Dan and I have both independently done a, a, a level two certificate in... Um, understanding mental health in children and young adults mm-hmm. and you know the early um, intervention piece and how significant that is you know the, the stats alone in there and I, I haven't got the numbers from the top of my head but the fact that that can prevent children taking that into adulthood yeah um, it's just that that early intervention and to think that you know we're providing that hopefully through this program which will then you know it because we're also mental health allies for the company that we work for and I've been I've been a mental health ally now for I think about four months, and not one. And there's a network of us, about twenty of us involved, and not any adult yet has reached out. No. Yet all these children are actually thinking, okay, I've, I'm I know that I can talk to someone, and it's that connection. So it just shows if you can get in there and you yeah. can make it feel it's a normal conversation, make it as normal as possible. Um, they're not alone. You know, if if their football manager or the football coach can talk to them about it, then. You know, it's it's that trust and that relationship thing. It's important, as you say, to get in there with the kids because it changes the the way they think going forward. But maybe yeah. with work because it's people are so ingrained, it's ingrained in in adults yeah. that they didn't have this when they were teenagers. But now you're you know you're potentially saving a generation of 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 kids that suffer with uh, their mental health. So it's 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 brilliant. Uh, you talk about um, football. And the charity that it was—it's a good synergy. Why? Why do you think that is? Is—is is it football? Is it men? Sorry, not being brilliant at talking. So football brings people together, and when you add on that, it's raising awareness for mental health that people, blokes just realise. Oh, yeah, that this that I can talk. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm probably biased as well because football's my sport. Yep. So I couldn't talk. This may go on in rugby and cricket as well, but I suppose, I'm, as I say, I'm biased because this is my sport. Um, but yeah, I, I just think people, it's relatable. I think when you start digging into the detail and you look at what are the preventative signs when you and you think, oh my God, someone, I, I've, I've seen that in someone else and never picked up on it. Yeah, I think changing rooms, particularly sort of, 18 upwards they're brutal in a, in a men's changing room are brutal yep. and you don't know how someone's feeling and they, they, there's loads of sort of statements and quotes you see about you don't know how someone's feeling that day make sure you're okay changing rooms that goes out the window yep. so I think it's a, it's an education piece and I think more people are taking that on board um, one remark you can make to someone they could go away and you don't know what's gonna what they're gonna take on that and I think you just have to be it's a learning experience, I think, for everyone. And mm-hmm. I just think football's a great platform because you've got so many guys and girls from a young age together. And if you're 
passing that message on you can have that collective response and then you see one person speaks up and then they might go and speak mm-hmm. to their friend their player coach that's why Kent are doing the younger generation as well because they may feel more comfortable speaking to someone who's 16 to 18 as opposed to 45 year old dad on the side mm-hmm. it might be a more comfortable relationship um so yeah I, I just think football's i think all sports are a great platform um but only can only really ours has all been around the football because it's where we all met it's how we knew tommy and it's how it grew yeah. i'd also say as well that when when we when tommy did die there was such a sense of community in football you know we had so many people reach out to us and so many people come forward and said, oh, Tommy should talk to my son before each game. Or, you know, or some people didn't even know Tommy or just would, hadn't even spoken to him, but he might have refereed their kids' game a couple of times. And, mm. You know, I think they, 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 it really showed that sense of community. Um, so I think that that's a big part of it. You know, it's a, it, it felt like a football family, really. Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, Tommy used to take some of the kids from my team after the game. Tommy was started refereeing hours when he was about 14. Yeah. And... You know that can be brutal. Yeah, but what, what always till I was twenty eight. So what could it be like? What I always laughed about it? Tommy was we'd always be waiting to start a game, and you know both coaches were ready to go. The kids are lined up. Most of the kids are lined up to play, and Tommy's over the other side of the pitch doing kick ups with the kids, or the kids are trying to tackle him. And he had that relationship with the kids, like Lisa said earlier, so popular, um, and everyone sort of gravitated to him. And again, I think it comes back to why I've got such a passion for this is because I just didn't, it hit me like a lot. I just did not know that was going on behind those eyes because you just never guessed. Um, and the training that I've done since is is second to none really in terms of being aware of what, what signs to look for and stuff like that. So um, yeah, what Kent's done I think is fantastic. We had a discussion a while ago and uh, about how each individual club can help uh, with mental health awareness or seeing signs and that. And we sort of said that perhaps as part of the charter standard or the accredited club thing that they're calling Grassroots England now, that why couldn't they include a mental health awareness? If you have to do safeguarding, you have to do uh, first aid, why can't they include a mental health unit? And it seems that it's such an easy and good thing to include um, I can't believe they haven't thought of it already, but yeah, and it lends itself to the to the to the safeguarding course that you have to do, doesn't it? Yeah, you could absolutely you could you could spend an extra half an hour and just make people aware. Look, if you ever see these signs, particularly in the younger kids, just have a just keep an eye on it. Mm. It needs to be something as simple as that, but then it's on it's, it's sort of ingrained in that person. Um, and I think if they're if they're asking all the grassroots coaches now to be sort of level one qualified. That should be something that's on their radar. I think because so, it's as yeah. much about the kids' welfare as it is their sort of football education. Mm. I did a I did a mental health awareness course through lockdown. It was like twelve units about the the various different types of mental um, mental health uh, issues. So ADHD from ADHD like right up to like schizophrenia mm. and all that. And each unit sort of pushed home that there was like the section where you learn about the illness itself and at the end it was like how people can help sufferers um and so i i, I just think something like that would be completely perfect for a club if you have to have a child welfare officer or someone in charge of that side of it why can't you have a mental health first aider yeah. at, at every single club and it just seems like an easy totally an agree easy thing yeah to do. yeah it's a no-brainer really hopefully um the FA can can get something like that going. It just seems 
such a simple thing, but it would it would help so many people. Um, so the plans for the future for the Tommy Crush Foundation. Obviously, you've mentioned uh, the partnership or the, the 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 work with Kent FA. Is it taking on? The, are you taking on the world now? Is it every Kent? <laughs> is it every county FA and then on to um, the 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 FA? Is that the is that the plan? I can honestly say the the response and and commitment and support we've had from Luke at Kent FA, it feels like you could take on it. You know, it feels so empowered and so invigorated. Yeah. And it, you know, at a time when we we didn't quite know what to do with the charity, you know, people were dealing with lockdown in their own way, and it was sort of trying to muster up the energy, and you know, you're all going through your own thing. Um, and then to have that come at us and with the force that they've, they've come forward and how grateful and thankful they are to the foundation yeah it feels like um, it feels like it's the start of something really really exciting um, just, and exciting in the way that you think we actually can make a difference yeah that that's the thing you know the amount of people that have contacted you through the the, the, the hotline or the, the, the line that you work on and if you're then going to throw extra sort of clout behind that with a with a fully blown, a fully blown charity then it's only going to get bigger and better for kent initially um i can't believe it's not going to be seen as successful from other counties i guess it, it does it become an issue where it's the fundraising that you'll need to really push to then put that into counties or do you think they would they would find the budget if it if it becomes successful, yeah, you'd like to think that they'd find a budget for it. I don't think we'd be able to fund the national uh, a national program um, as much as we'd love to. But I just think uh, we really hope that the Kent FA is pioneering this; that it really takes off. Mm-hmm. It's all I'm aware that it's already grabbed the attention of the FA, and they're they're monitoring it. Um, and you'd like to think how prevalent mental health is nowadays that they will devote some funding towards this because, like you say, it should be part of the kids kids coaching education mm. um, and like you say as well you've got professional footballers suffering as well you'd I, like to think they'd give back on that I think the other thing is though, we all of the trustees are just normal people with family lives working lives it's it's finding the time and to commit which we all are so passionate about doing it um, but we are we are just a group of normal people so we're finding our feet on this we've got yeah. a website that's not it was, a, it was a free donation which was fantastic at the time but it's not really going to support you know the way we want to go now and the chance the platform we've got it's not so we, there's lots of things for us to do and fundraising is not not brilliant when you don't actually like asking people for money either so no, <laughs> um no. you know in a time when covid has really impacted mm. people's lives so uh, always mindful of that so you know i, I think that's that would be one of our next challenges to think how we can keep the fundraising going um and, and build it up and how we can further support yeah and i suppose again programs. just on that off, off the back of the the FA program, we have had donations made, just money just dropped into the account. Okay. Where people have, have gone, oh, I love that. Lisa come on to um, a session that we've done as mental health champions. So you've got 50 odd of us plus Kent FA staff. Lisa come on and just spoke for probably about 10, 15 minutes. Lisa left, I stayed on because it was part of our program. And they all just said it was the most powerful 15 minutes they've ever witnessed. Mm. Um, so I think things like that. Lisa's done more videos recently, which are going to mm-hmm. come out in social media soon. That's the sort of thing I think we'll, which will raise our profile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we do go and try and get funding, it'll be easier because we've already got that platform. And yep. I think people have seen what we're about, what we're trying to invest in, and the difference we're trying to make. 
Yeah, you look at the Premier League, there's the, is it Heads Together? There's the Premier League um, initiative around mental health. Um, but again, sometimes you feel like it's just a bit of a buzz for some parts of the world. Like each each period of time you have a, 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 a sort of fashionable thing to get involved in. You know, sadly, in the past it's been in it's been racism it's, and at the moment we're going through mental health and racism as being like the the buzz things and sadly it has only been um short periods of time but with you guys uh work if you're going, getting in with the kent fa as i say um hope uh, it will be a success i'm 100 sure it'll be a success and we need to get this embedded into uh football uh, locally uh because it's got a stick it hasn't stuck before yeah um and it's got to start sticking because we're losing too many too many people uh, for it not to um, stick. We wish you all the best with that. And I'm sure uh, when you do find time from living your lives and, and doing all the, the hard stuff, you can uh, get your head down and, and crack on with the fundraiser. It's not easy raising money. Anyone that's involved with charities, um, whether your target's to raise 500 quid or to raise a million pound, um, it's it's hard so yeah. um i wish you all the best with that because everything takes money sadly uh it's not it's not the easiest thing to do and yeah it's not nice to you feel like you're going cap in hand to people and yeah and people got their own you know especially after the pandemic you know people are going through people have lost their jobs people are you know struggling financially the situations have changed with people circumstances so it's it's a, it's it's hard to do at the best of times and even more mindful now that actually people are under and, and that's the thing people are under more pressure now um, so it's it's still so relevant the mental health piece. It's not you know it's, it doesn't stop at football, but no. uh, just conscious that yeah we you know we well I think we're, we're definitely feeling invigorated, um, definitely feeling supported, and definitely feeling that actually you know this is absolutely the best thing that's that's happened, and it's given us that what we needed to to carry on, isn't it? Really? Absolutely, it's rejuvenated us as trustees as well. I think going through the last twelve months where we couldn't get together, we've not me and Lisa seen each other, but the rest of us have not really been together as a collective sort of group. Um, I think it's just give us the emphasis just to keep going and, and we know we can, we're can. we actually making a difference now. I think you're lucky that you've got the credibility and you've got um, you're, you're the realness about you that it doesn't, you're not just some sort of faceless corporate company mm. asking uh, people for money. Um, all of your money that you raise will go to your calls. It's not going to go to paying for your CEO to go to this, that, and the other no, place. No admin no. costs. <laughs> Self-funded, sitting in our in our own houses on a exactly. Zoom call. <laughs> I think that that lends it, with charity. I think that realness um, will help you all the way, and you know you'll you'll gain support. It'll get bigger and bigger for you. Um, where, what do you think is being done well to develop and support mental health away from obviously your your work? I mean, there was obviously a need. Um, for for you to start the charity because there was nowhere seemingly for uh, Tommy to go and for Mike um, Strong uh, neither of those two people sadly um, had had an outlet or they felt like there was a visible outlet um, but what do you think is being done well at the moment uh, to support it? It's just starting and we see green shoots of, of hope from lots of different organisations starting but overall to develop it outside yourselves do you, do you see much else going on and the Kent FA 
I outside of football, I think you know people with celebrity status. Um, I might not follow them, and they might be A list or Z list. But the fact that they people are coming out more and more and talking about their mental health and how they struggled over the years. You know, there's a lot of footballers now talking about it and just how real that battle is. Yeah. You know, the work that Prince William's doing. Um, the, you know, the, the, the stuff that the celebrities and the fact that they're talking about it and making it quite normal and, and real. But so I think that the fact that they, they, it's publicly being spoken about it is positive. Yeah. But that's still not enough. No. Um, because you actually need to make a positive change. Just talking about it is important and raising awareness is important. I think that's that's going well because, it, you know, these are people, that people, children, young adults, men look up to. Um, so I think that's that's a positive. The conversations are starting, I suppose, that is that is a, a positive. But as I say, as I said earlier, it seems a bit that it's been looked at a little bit faddy. That yeah. People have got to put their money where their mouth is. They can't just talk about it. They've exactly. got to think about what they can do to support it. Talking about it is brilliant. Um, and bringing it through TV into the family home, you know, is great. And it's normalising it a bit. And it's starting to break down those those barriers and that stigma. But as I say, it's it's still not enough. And it, and I, I, I think it probably is largely down to funding. Um, Tommy, so I got a call from Tommy's teacher, which was the first I heard that he, he'd made his first attempt and he just opened up to one of the teachers at his school and I got a call um, and took Tommy straight to A&E that night and, and that's other thing. So we were then referred to CAMS and actually because of the lack of funding, the, the treatment we got from them, you know, and I hate to say negative stuff because they do try their best, but it just wasn't it just wasn't up to the mark. You know, we mm. had four different doctors that's tell each doctor a, the same story over and over again. He'd get a different level of medication, a different course of treatment. None of it was consistent. Then there was mm. a massive gap in the medication so that then he completely dipped again. And then because he was at the age it was at, it was only the age of 16, I wasn't allowed to be told about it. Um, mm. So, you know, that it. So because of funding is a huge problem. And then when you're over the age of 18, if you talk about it and you go to the doctors, you refer to hospital, you end up in a, in a unit, which people don't want either. So mm. there's a massive gap. Um, and, and, and funding, you know, it, that is, that's, that's the problem. I think largely. Yeah, and I think, it, like I touched on earlier, I think it's an education piece. I think people really need to understand it. I think it's, it's all very well posting on your uh, timeline, be kind and, and check on your mates, but actually be kind and mm-hmm. check on your mates, phone mm-hmm. them up, ask them if they're okay. Are you, I ain't seen you for a while, is everything all right? I think it, it takes five minutes, but I do think it's, it's, a, it's a complete change exercise people need to go through, um, and it is about educating them. And it needs to get into schools. Now, they're saying it's going to be on the national curriculum, but is it, you know, what are they doing in schools? We've not heard rumours and talk of actually getting into schools and being taught in schools, but how, how far are they going with that and how much is being taught? Um, I don't think I've seen um, two children uh, at home and at school and they've only learned it through what I'm telling them and what I'm trying to teach them. So it's it's not being rolled out. I, no. I don't Well, I don't know. I don't want to take out a turn. It could be, but it needs to be much more effective and taught. Uh, it needs to be part of that curriculum. It needs to be taught from... You know, from five years old, there's children being diagnosed with behaviour disorders at five, six, seven. You know, children with depression mm. at such early ages, and, and and parents really don't know what that is. They don't know, you know, why why are these children feeling like this? We've got a nice home, and this is the things I've got back. Oh, why did Tommy? You know, you had a nice family home. Yep. <laughs> oh, we had a nice family, had nice friends. Yep. All of that, all of that, and he still suffered. There's 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 not an answer to that. Mm. Um, and I think I went through that same thought process. Yeah. Because I, I remember I, can, I was standing in my garden and my phone rang. I'd just come back from a stag do. 
and someone phoned me and went told me the news and I was like just silence I just I just couldn't I was like that can't be right I saw Tommy probably a week ago at football that can't be right um yeah and you go through that thought process like the same questions that Lisa yeah. just said and you're just like okay I can't be he's fine he's, he's always laughing and joking the kids loved him he's always like happy he's always telling me stories about how everyone was trying to kick him at football because he was so good at school and he was it was, it was always <laughs> there was a, we had the same conversations most weeks he just finished the school game um and yeah he's just as I say I mentioned it earlier and he's the driver for me personally to make sure that the kids particularly here from Belvedere I've got someone to talk to um we've been waiting to sort of have a bit of an open forum with everyone and get them all in one place together and just say look it's all very well putting it on their social media they can read they, they'll put a like and they don't really know what they're liking off of them mm. but I'd like to stand up in front of them a few statistics talk about Tommy a lot of the boys had a relationship with Tommy so they've known we've got under 12s 13s 14s 15s um and they all grew up with Tommy refereeing so it'd be nice to talk about that, talk about what he went through, talk about the support that we've got now that we can offer them, um, and just make sure they're aware it's okay to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Don't bottle things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the message that we want to get across to, particularly in our club, because I can influence that. Um, but talking to the other mental health champions, we've all got this. We're all in the same place. We all want to make a difference. We've all got access to a lot of children. Um, and you, like you say, 270 kids in three months have contacted us. We're doing the same head, head count um, for May. So it'd be interesting to see what the numbers are. Um, you'd like to think that's increased because we've got more mm. of a presence now. Um, so I think that, that the proof in the pudding in terms of the numbers, it will be a success. Um, but it's just it's having that platform to speak to the kids. Um, whether you go to a training session and sit them down on the floor and have a chat. But as soon as hopefully mid-June we'll be able to do something. Yeah. We spoke about a running club, didn't we? Dan's going to run a marathon. Yeah. So <laughs> as part, I suppose this sort of links back into the to the match for um, next week. As part of the program with the Kent FA, each of the champions has to put on an event. Okay. So the plan was we was going to do a charity football match, have everyone there. Obviously, we went into lockdown. Wasn't possible. So we've been delaying it and delaying it. And we said, look, let's... I spoke to Paul, spring it at the club, and just said, look... Paul, I really want to do a game. He said, I've got perfect opponents for you. They're rubbish. Yeah, you're, ba- you're better. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't tell me that. He also, he also didn't tell me the age either. So, um, yeah, we're, we're a little bit more senior. Um, it's probably being polite. But, yeah, we, we spoke about that. And we said, look, let's try and get a date in. I think we tried to get weekends. Didn't work. Pitches mm-hmm. could be pulled up. And then we said, okay, look, we've got a date. 18 for May. We'll play at Irvine Belvedere. So, that was my first event. And I said, look, we've got... Uh, we've got we've had a, another corporate donation to help with an event that we're doing. So we've come up with a few ideas we're going to try and um, roll out over the summer. But another one is so me and Lisa both run as exercise as well, um, not together, but we both run. And I said, look, I'll Which run. Should it. leave you behind that bit. Which Absolutely, is. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we said, I, I don't, I, I've toyed with the idea, and then. Lisa's sort of agreed to it so I've probably got to go through it now so I said I'd run a marathon in the summer okay um, just locally and we'll get as many of the kids from our club to run along with me um, they can all do a mile two miles drop out and we'll just uh, we'll finish up somewhere where there's a bar and everyone can sort of get together and um, <laughs> celebrate but um, yeah so that, that's one of the ideas and then we from an extension of that we said well, why don't on a Sunday or during the summer while we're training let's have a little running club 
where everyone can get together. They could run in pairs, run in a group, and just have a chat. It can be five minutes, it could be 50 minutes. Um, but we're just trying to come up with initiatives just to get kids together, get them talking, understand why we're there. Um, obviously, it's about healthy minds, healthy body. Um, but just having that opportunity to sort of make a difference. So we ju- we just, we're, we're exploring avenues in terms of what we can do, what impact we can have. And obviously, going out running in a park costs nothing. No. Yeah. Um, it's great for the kids. Good, good exercise, good for their mental health as well. And a good opportunity for us to sort of influence influence their mindset. I'm joining Dan on the second half. So I'm not doing the whole thing. The second <laughs> half so that I can end up in the pub. <laughs> that's, that's the plan. Brilliant. That's, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. That's a good uh, that's a good way of uh, planning it. So on the night, the Tuesday the 18th of May, as we spoke about, uh, is the game. The 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 uh, Silk Eleven versus Erith and Belvedere coaches. Uh, Paul's already told us you've got a decent team out, so we don't know uh, the age might not be. A... Well, uh, he says decent team. Play, Paul. We've uh, <laughs> well, we've only got four sides, so that's four coaches. Okay. So fortunately, we've all got assistants, so we'll bring those in as well. Um, but it still only leads to eight. So we've had to get a few more. Uh, we had a little bit of help um, in our squad. So one's just pulled out. I just got a call tonight. So we're down to fifteen. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're down to 15. We've got a few, uh, probably got a, f- a few big names that are coming as well, okay. which which would be good and will uh, will probably help us get through the 90 minutes. Um, well, we've been we've been beaten eight nil in one of our friendlies and we've won eight nil, so we we know we know the feeling of either, either end of it. So. <laughs> yeah, so yeah it'd be interesting we've got a lot of players that probably should know better than to um, pull on a pair of boots again um, but it'll be good and I think we're, we're encouraging all of the uh, the youth players to come down and watch and uh, mock us from the sideline yeah now all that all that coaching and all the chat to the players you've done over the years and they're going to watch no, they can all say yeah. what are you doing what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> you'll have no players want to play out wide because they all want to be away from the touchlines where they're getting abused by the kids so um, is there anything is there anything special or, or is there anything going on apart from the football is there any sort of and I know we, we're sort of restricted with Covid apart from going in the bar um, but is there anything else that you've sort of got planned for the evening to be honest, the event is purely to raise the profile of mental health awareness. Mm. That, that, that is it. And so we've got, we've picked a side. Everyone's playing on behalf of, of, of Vera from Belvedere because they know the role I've got as a mental health champion. We've got you as opponents. Couldn't have been a better match. Um, and I think we'll have a lot of people come down and support. There's been a lot of interest on social media, people saying, come down and watch. Let's mm-hmm. all get down there. So I think it's grabbed the attention. And that, for me, that was the purpose of it. It's not about fundraising for us on the day. No. Um, nothing, nothing to do with that at all. It's, it's purely about raising awareness. Um, and like I say, we've got, some, got a couple of big names coming to play for us, um, which hopefully get a few more people in. Um, and the more people there, the more people see our banners, the more people understand what we're trying to achieve um, and, and be aware of the, what the Kent FA are doing as well. So for, it's, it's a win-win for everyone. The awareness, the awareness is the main bit. As long as you can, you know, on the back of one of these games, if one or two blokes speak to someone, then then it's all done. It's it's done its job, hasn't it? Yeah, and absolutely. That's you know, winning and losing. You know, it's it's part of sport. But when you come together for these type of events, as as I said to you, um, 
earlier in the interview or before we started recording that you know you, we, we've played these charity games it started off as um, raising money for Mike Strong or his, his daughters um, that they, there's a trust fund so that was the original cause of for Mike Strong to raise some money and it's a bank account that's just getting hopefully you have lots of money in it by the time the girls reach an age where they can access it um, but as we go through the journey uh, Kent Sands was was a was a charity that that touched us because I mean how awful would that you know the job they do they play they continuously play um, games just for the awareness of men of men's mental health and it all it all sort of linked in with our calls and then obviously um, Paul mentioned about this game and again it's men's it's it's male mental health that that is a is a running theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just so pleased that to be involved. Um, we think it's going to be a brilliant night. Um, should be funny to see. I mean, we're not the youngest of teams. It should be funny after about seventy minutes. It'll be brilliant for everyone to to come along and uh, have a drink. Help help a help um, Eric from Belvedere after a, a quiet spell as a club. Um, Paul Spring it. I must say been absolutely brilliant from the minute we started talking to Paul about um, the Selk team and about the charity he was he's been all in um, and yeah I can't speak highly enough of Paul for, for this um, for us um, obviously he's a player but also behind the scenes he um, I think he's been his life's been um, sadly affected by um, suicide as, as well in his family um, so he's a big supporter of everything and um yeah hats off to paul and the club for supporting the 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 day and letting us um raise awareness for all it's all all of the charities uh, are going to be um the, the awareness is the main thing um, everyone should come down uh, seven o'clock kickoff seven o'clock kickoff um yeah and you'll probably see a lot of middle-aged men Hobbling around. Yeah, I'm in not a lot of deep in not, in not very good condition <laughs> by about 7.45. I hope you'll a week yeah. off work. Yeah, well, the, the benefits of working from home, I think, will come in next week. Yeah, I've booked, yeah. I've booked the Wednesday off. I don't play. I don't play, but I've booked the Wednesday off work because... Um, the bar's open. The bar's open. <laughs> For the first time, we're allowed to stand in a bar. You don't have to... You won't be going home at, at nine o'clock. No, well, I'm hoping people will be going in to get drinks and coming back out and watching the... Uh, Watch a bit of the football. Hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully the weather's dry as well because that'll make a difference. It will. Any other news that you'd wish to you wish to share or any thank yous to any to anyone that's helped you along the way so far? I mean, would I say could not say a big thank you to Elton Lions. Um, that's a, that was the team that Tom was club ref for. He played for them, um, and they've just been so supportive. A lot of those teams that were there have now gone over to here from Belvedere, and mm-hmm. we're still getting the same. You know the same support, the same. I mean, Pete, Paul's brother, used to was my son Alfie's football manager. So there's a real, you know, there's so much connection. Yeah. Um, and as I say, it, it feels such, it feels like such a community. So yeah, I'd have to say a big, a big thank you to the teams that were at Elton Lions, are still at Elton Lions. Um, it's now over to here from Belvedere. So for me, it's um, we're just taking such comfort in that as a as a family, um, and for my mum and dad as well that you know they're obviously still just devastated and yeah. um so for them it's, it's just comfort to know that there's there's so many people that still care um and like yeah and just yeah for everybody that is taking the time well hopefully it's taking the time to listen to this podcast uh, and for supporting it and just keep talking you know just keep talking 
Yeah, just to reinforce the same as what Lisa just said, really, the the relationship with Tommy and football, particularly for the Elton Lions boys, it's so entwined with here from Belvedere now because you've got the same boys. Yep. But you've also got so many others that have gone on to play for other clubs around, um, particularly around sort of the Kent Youth League and Selkent, and we just get so much support. I always, it always blows me away when someone, I'll get a text message and say, can you just send me the Tommy Crush uh, bank details again? Mm. And then all of a sudden, 500 quid appears in the account. Well, we had that, didn't we? There, so when Tommy used to play for um, Long Lane, and then the uh, the um, goalkeeper, he now is at uni in Cardiff. And so the club he's playing for in Cardiff, <laughs> done a naked calendar, raised about £600. Um, so it's, it's gone as far as Cardiff, and yeah. you know they're talking about it. So And they are now, well, Tommy will be 21 this year so they're 20 year 21 year old 20 year old and the fact they're talking about it so it's gone you know that far it, it's for me that it, it's those kind of stories that keep it going really. yeah the reach the reach from what we do these there's a lot of negatives of social media mm-hmm. on mental health but there's also massive benefits of it as well like like that 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 was all over twitter and instagram yeah. and he's got the, the boys i didn't get there. a copy of the calendar no. thankfully yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> but things like that. And, and even going back to this mental health champions and the reach to the children i've had personally i've been contacted on instagram by someone who saw one of the posts nothing to do about club and then called me and we had a chat and then i signposted them to professional health we're not clinically trained but we know who to signpost to so the benefits of social media as well They're, they are there for mental health as well and I think sometimes we're too quick to jump on the negatives of it but actually it's a fantastic platform mm. to, to, to raise awareness absolutely uh, perfect way to end the podcast again thank you Lisa it's thank been great you. to meet you uh, see you on uh, Tuesday yeah I'll be uh, there I don't know if I'll be cheering yet I won't mind up Tuesday <laughs> right. it's harsh <laughs> it's harsh <laughs> well, I see you looking better after yeah. about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, we look forward to seeing you on uh, Tuesday. Just a quick shout out to a company who were keen to uh, get on board and help us on Tuesday. Um, a player supplies um, company called Player Packs will be hopefully helping you guys and us uh, keep going for 90 minutes with some gels and all that type of stuff. Oh, so fantastic. Player Packs um, will help us on Tuesday. Guys, See you on Tuesday. All the best. Thank Thank you. Grassroots Football is finally back and we're buzzing. Get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.